So when it comes to new market expansion, uh, the best thing for us is that the way we operate is very inexpensive and very easy for us to launch additional markets. And so we've, we've given ourselves the flexibility to move with our partners and support them where they need it. Um, so that tends to be, we do have some you know, internal systems to try to understand what our top priority markets are, but it's sort of a, a balance between our own science and then what our partners need uh, for us to support them well. You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industries. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Today, I am with Jason Cunningham on the Paris Talks Marketing Podcast. Jason is the Chief Growth Officer at Spruce. And prior to his role at Spruce, he was a co-founder and COO of Naughty Foods. And he was also the head of consumer engagement at DoorDash, a company that we all know really well. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we were talking about a little bit in the pre-show how your role in growth marketing is not necessarily the traditional role, which is oftentimes obsessed with acquisition metrics, but that you are uh, more focused than most growth marketers on the customer experience. Uh, can you just elaborate a little bit on how your role is different in that way? Yeah, definitely. You know, so <clears throat> sort of the thread of my career in DoorDash and, and Spruce are both businesses that have this online product, but then result in a real offline tangible experience. So obviously DoorDash with delivery, um, and then at Spruce what we do is we provide housekeeping services to residents throughout the U.S. And so you do go on the app and you engage with that in placing the, placing, creating the booking, but after that it's really the housekeeping experience that, you know, is important. And I always think about when I first showed up at DoorDash and we were talking about sort of what was important and the first thing Tony said was like, look, customers want their cheesecake factory and they want it fast and hot and when we say it's going to get there. And if we deliver on that, they don't remember which button they press to get it. And I think obviously DoorDash takes their consumer products seriously today, but when forced to prioritize the thing that was ingrained in me is that it's the experience offline that really matters. And so, you know, I think at both businesses, I do focus on marketing and, you know, acquiring and retaining customers, but we're also thinking sort of long and hard about how do we make that experience offline great so that customers do keep coming back and engaging. Mm-hmm. So are you looking at metrics like lifetime value of the customers who you Definitely, are Definitely, yes. So we are thinking about our acquisition costs, our CAC, our LTV, and how those relate. And then but when we think about that LTV, we're, we're looking at a lot of offline metrics as well in terms of how the experience went, trying to quantify or trying to quantify a house cleaning and understand were we on time, did we start late, what you know, did we spend enough time on the right activities, like was that experience, do we have any signals that that experience was good or bad, and what does that mean for customer retention? I mean, we do find right, that 
the importance of that experience wanes over time, but that first experience is the most important. If we cause a problem on your fifth clean, that's 20% of your experience with Spruce. But if we mess up the first, that's your only impression, right? So uh, sort of in both businesses, I think something that has stood out is that you only get one chance to make a first impression, and so providing that is, is important. Um, aside from that, I mean, there are we offer a mix of different cleanings and I think you can you can a little bit predict retention based on what people do purchase. So I mean you have kind of your different shopper profiles and if they come right in and book a full clean they're probably uh, pretty committed and, and focused on it. You know, but in in a business like Spruce we're trying to provide we're trying to make cleaning accessible, right? So we're providing a lot of smaller chores. Hey, we'll come in and water your plants. We'll come in and do this and do that. But you also get a contingent of shoppers who's sort of trying things out and they're willing to do a $10, $20 chore. And certainly that's a sort of signals a little bit lower commitment up front. And so you're going to get you know less retention from those cohorts. So it's sort of understanding what a benchmark is based on what that first booking is and then trying to perform well enough to meet or exceed that benchmark. Mm -hmm. So do you all actually assign different predictive values at the time of acquisition based on the, t the type of job to be done and of a, the type of service that people are, bo are booking upfront as a predictor of future? Yeah, that, that would be, that would definitely be one piece of the prediction. Yes. So Spruce, I haven't talked about a lot, but we're sort of a B2B to C model and, and we're moving out of that now. We're starting to do some direct bookings, but a lot of what we do is we work in the multifamily industry, so we'll sign on property management companies, uh, Graystar or Lincoln Properties, these companies who own apartment buildings in the U.S., and they'll come on and put us in at their buildings as a preferred housekeeping provider, and so uh, they become a channel partner in helping to market the service and uh, provide it as an amenity to their residents. And we're primarily operating in that sphere of multifamily today, so uh, there are also sort of factors of that that we can can predict a little bit how a customer is going to perform. Um, properties have you know what's called a property class that sort of ranks a real estate asset. And so yeah, we that would be another factor. We know that if someone at an A plus property uh, starts off with a premium clean, you know they're a pretty high high intent customer. They're probably used to using housekeeping and are going to continue to use housekeeping. Uh, in some form or fashion, and so at that point, we just need to deliver on the service they expect. Um, what What are the channels and approaches, both organic channels and also paid paid media channels, that are working as you make this migration from B two C to B two B? Yeah, definitely. It it narrows the channel gap, right? I mean, those are the channel mix. I mean, those buildings and their residents are it's essentially a pool of leads for us to work from, right? And so we don't as opposed to other businesses, we're not necessarily going out and trying to find people because if we go spend on a Facebook or uh, Google, most of the people we reach can't use Spruce since they're not in a Spruce building. Um, and so today, we're primarily a CRM business, right? We, we have the list of who moves into those buildings and from there, it, it's an opportunity to reach out and try to give them a message uh, about why we're useful and why we can help save them time in their day. Um, okay. And so that's where for us marketing sort of a very, today very CRM heavy and then very much focused on, you know, 
sort of a, a version of out of home, right? Because that property is, you know, a physical channel that we can activate. And so okay. how do we put signage in the lobby? How do we put what elevator? Where's the elevator that can be that choke point so that we can put an elevator sign in and get everyone to see Spruce day after day? So um, there are a lot of ways that we think about activating the physical real estate as well as CRM. This will evolve over time. I mean, as I mentioned, in, in Houston and Austin, we're now providing, you know, cleans to all home types. And so in those cities, we're starting to explore other channels and we'll start to think about how to reach people, uh, whether that's traditional digital channels, maybe next door for something that's a little more localized, things like that. Gotcha. Uh, you dropped a, a term in A+, plus, uh, so that, that to me uh, made me think of account-based marketing. So that's a... <laughs> That that's a perfect uh, that's a perfect prospect, right? A ICP that's um, okay. checks all the boxes, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, within our industry, what I mean there is they've got these you know ratings uh, rating structures that rate different buildings as an A plus or an A and A minus. Oh, okay. You know, oh, no, okay. I got it's it. It's really it's it's really built for real estate investors, right? It's trying to quantify if you invest in a building. Uh, what's the investment profile of it, but it's sort of a proxy for different different areas, demographics, different uh, amenity sets, that kind of thing. So that's so a real estate. That's a real estate term. That's not your internal term for your uh, a top prospect. It's, it's a real estate that's term. Exactly for right. industry. That's exactly. That's exactly. But it's still right. it's but a great it indicator of quality to, for you guys. Okay. That's right. It does tend to signal, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily fit, but what kind of product might be popular in those buildings. Different types of offerings tend to do better in those in different types of buildings. And so different types of marketing tend to do better, right? So as an example, like most A pluses or high rises, that means that they have one central lobby where you can put a poster and everyone walks through it every day. If you get out to the B class properties that are further outside the center, of the city, you're now talking about garden style buildings where everyone goes right to their door and never crosses through a lobby. And so you've got to find other ways to activate. And so it doesn't change as much about our sales process as as it does the way we ultimately activate residents. But we want those residents to know about us and, and our methods for that change based on the physical layout. Class tends to signal some things like that that also, also coincide with uh, kind of offering types and some different changes to our mix depending on the building. Gotcha. So Jason, how much of your role as a head of growth is about expansion into new markets versus uh, same store, let's call it same store sales or, or growth within existing markets? Yeah, we're, we're definitely thinking about both, but our, our primary focus is on uh, how to become more valuable for the units we have. So, okay. uh, because of the way we work with our channel partners, I mean, new market growth is sort of a mix of, of our own agenda and then, uh, and then our partners as well, right? And so sometimes, sometimes we expand to you know, Chicago because we think it's a valuable market for us. Sometimes we expand to you know, Salt Lake City because one of our big property management clients says, you know, hey, we have 30 properties in Salt Lake City. Could you help us out? and services there. And so when it comes to new market expansion, I mean, the, the best thing for us is that 
the way we operate, it's very inexpensive and very easy for us to launch additional markets. And so we've, we've given ourselves the flexibility to move with our partners and support them where they need it. Um, so that tends to be, we do have some you know, internal systems to try to understand what our top priority markets are, but it's sort of a, a balance between our own science and then what our partners need uh, for us to support them well. Um, and so most of my time, like the sales team is usually balancing that, uh, those two agendas. Most of my time is spent thinking about the units we have and how do we make, how do we make each household as valuable as possible. Uh, and so, yeah, for, for me, it's, which, you know, is the same problem that I was working on at DoorDash for what it's worth. My, my role wasn't really acquisition focused. It was how do we make DoorDash more relevant for the 21 meals that someone eats in a week? And so we were rolling out things like DoorDash pickup or the subscription uh, program to try to be more, more relevant and more engaging for our users. And that's a, uh, that's kind of my North Star at Spruce is the revenue or engagement per unit that we serve. Gotcha. I think there's a natural there's a natural point in a lot in a lot of uh, uh, businesses with either recurring revenue, SaaS, or otherwise, where the uh, the growth opportunities in the early stage of the uh, early stages of the business growth is all about acquisition. But at some point, when you reach a critical mass of customers. And the churn rates become so much more impactful on the business that actually the main priority for growth starts to shift towards retention, upsell, experience, and just and just improvement in the quality of the customer and the lifetime value of the customer. And um, when you so when you joined Spruce, were, were you all already past that inflection point, or did you experience that shift where? The primary focus started move started to move from heavy heavy acquisition focus more towards customer experience and retention. Yeah, it's sort of so in all these offline experience businesses, it's sort of a, a seesaw in a sense because um, growth comes down to two sides, right? Yes, we do need to market and we need to bring in more customers, but. You know, if you stop growing, it may also be that you're supply constrained. And so for us, we're trying to grow two audiences at the same time, our audience of uh, service providers as well as our audience of residents. And so at any given time, right, we, may be, we may be pressing the gas or pressing the brake a little bit on consumer acquisition right, because we're trying to one audience starts to outgrow the other. And if you have too many consumers, then you're blacking out markets and you can't provide cleanings. But on the other hand, if your supply starts to outstrip your, your demand, then your cleaners aren't utilized, right? And service providers, uh, service pros start churning off the platform because they're not getting enough work. And so um, we're always trying to find this equilibrium where, uh, where we can provide consistent and predictable work for our service pros. And um, in that sense, right, I think predictability is really helpful. About 55% of our bookings are repeat bookings. They're established patterns where someone has us coming every week, every two weeks, and that's really important. Having that base of work means that our service providers aren't dealing with the uh, daily fluctuations that come. Uh, and so we're trying to have that base of steady work, and then from there, um, 
So, so in that sense, yeah, we think a lot about engaging those those repeat bookers, uh, repeat users, and keeping their uh, their business. And then from there, we're trying to fill out uh, each day for our service pros based on based on a lot of different things. But uh, on a given week, we might need to go out and acquire more customers to fill it out. On another week, we may actually be pulling back on channels because we're not ready to take more volume that week. And so. Um, it's a little bit of a, a balancing act where it's not just, it's not a software company where we can bring people in uh, and sort of infinitely scale with them. It's more, I, I think that I started out my my career in the uh, hotel business, so working at MGM Resorts, and it's a little bit of, of that business where we had a perishable inventory, right? Your hotel has 300 rooms, and if you don't rent it out on a Friday night, you don't get that back. You uh, you just lose revenue on that Friday night, and so you're trying to keep that building as close to occupied as possible. And you know, we think about it much the same way, so that ends up creating the need for a lot of like dynamic pricing and ways to think about uh, adjusting that experience daily so that we keep the, the fleet utilized. And do you all apply any dynamic pricing principles to what you're doing at Spruce? Do you ever... Employ any of that? Yeah, stuff. we're in the early stages of that journey, but we we have, I would say, some proxies for dynamic pricing. So if you're in our app, depending on where you live, you're going to see certain offerings, but you're going to see discounted offerings as well. You're going to see something that's a spruce day. So same way you could think about Amazon Day, where you're trying, you know, trying to get everything delivered on one day. I mean, if we we want to concentrate concentrate those bookings as much as possible. Um, as I mentioned, to keep that, that service pro in one building or one neighborhood. And so we sort of, today it's sort of a day a week thing where you know one area of the business or of the city might have discounted cleanings on Monday and another might have discounted cleanings on Tuesday. And that's a way to sort of group the bookings so that uh, we're able to stay in one neighborhood. So. Um, we're trying to, that'll get more and more sophisticated over time, but yeah, we're trying to build this sort of, uh, optimized system. And, you know, if you think about it, like choice in that system, uh, introduces inefficiency. So we're always trying to balance this consumer choice with running the ideal efficient system. And, you know, the most efficient system is that we get to choose when the booking happens and we get to choose who to send then you have to layer into that problem that some customers want their bookings at a certain time and some want a certain cleaner uh, who they have a relationship with. And so um, we're always trying to balance that and we've got some, you know, some ways that we uh, try to affect behavior there, but we're trying to let customers have that choice. If you have a pro that you love, we'll try to make sure they get to your house and if you need it on a Tuesday, We'll do that, but if you're more agnostic to that, if you're okay with us sending anyone at any time, that gives us, you know, flexibility to uh, create the create the ideal market as well. And so you might get a discount for those. Uh, yeah. Those. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, that flexibility. Mm -hmm. Can you now discuss a little bit the role of the customer feedback, in particular the customer reviews, both in how just how that affects the dynamics of the business. And also, how do you utilize that uh, user-generated content, those reviews for marketing purposes? Yeah, I, I think we can definitely get better at the, the second half of that, um, which is utilizing that content. But 
I think the reviews are, are really helpful in two ways, right? I mean, one, I know you're thinking more about the, the consumer marketing, and so, I mean, obviously seeing reviews is really helpful in understanding sentiment and understanding ultimately churn. Right? If someone books, if someone you know, rates their first cleaning five stars, their retention rates go drastically up, right? So we do know that that's one of the best predictors someone staying on the platform is making sure they get a five-star clean the first time. Um, but secondarily, it helps from a performance management standpoint, right? We are always trying to coach and uh, help help our service providers provide the best experience. And so seeing ratings at scale for our, our pros and uh, understanding sort of who struggles with a certain task or who's great at a move-out clean or things like that, um, help us be a more valuable partner to those service providers and let them know where they're doing great and where they could improve their customer experience. And so it's a bit of a, at the end of the day, it's sort of a collaborative exercise between us and the service pros to provide the best experience possible. And, you know, we're looking at that feedback as a signal to us of where we're doing a good job and where we're not. And then we're trying to share that knowledge as much as possible with our partners to, to, you know, help them know how to improve. Yeah. Do you provide the end customer with any incentives for leaving a, a review just to try to encourage them? Uh, to, to uh, we don't incentivize reviews directly. Um, we, we find that we get a good, a good rate of feedback uh, either way. I think a, a cleaning is a very sort of personal thing. Someone's in your home and, uh, in your home and you you experience it deeply if it's a great clean and you come home and and it's sparkling clean there's this sense of relief and you just save time in your day and oh yeah i know that feeling it's an experience yeah (laughs) yeah it's an experience people love to share right and if you come home and your your home is not what you expect it to be uh that that's also an experience that people feel inclined to share so uh we find that people people do share their content willingly and we don't work on incentivizing that. We just try to try to understand it, monitor it and respond accordingly. Um, and if there's a bad experience, we'll generally come back out and make it right or, or find a way to, to get their home to what they expect it to be. And I think the second piece of that that's nice, I mean, we do have, we use some things to make sure we provide a good experience. So as the the pro is going through your home and cleaning, they are capturing some after pictures of, you know, how they did, like what the end product looks like in a different room. Uh, here's your kitchen after the clean, here's your, and so there is some content there already, right, that's shared back to the customer. Um, and so, one, it's a good quality control thing, right, because the customer can see what to expect, what they can expect when they get home. But two, that is sort of built-in content that, if someone is now leaving a review, it's pretty easy to attach those pictures to the content. And so it wasn't built for that purpose. It's there to make sure we do a great job, but it does contribute to uh, the reviews and the feedback being rich with images, which helps everywhere. Great. Well, Jason, this has been fantastic. I, I want to pull, pull out now to the bigger, the bigger picture here. What, what is, the, what is the, the multi-year vision What's the what is the big plan for for Spruce? How big can you all get, and how fast? What is it? What what do you all look like two or three years from today? 
Yeah, that's that's the magic question. Um, I think that it, it actually will evolve more toward the businesses you probably normally deal with, but I think I think we keep going on the path we're on, right? We've got, I mean, a lot of properties who still need uh, need a cleaning provider and and a lot of service providers around America who we think can benefit from working with us. So we'll continue to expand in multifamily. We'll start to expand out to provide cleanings to any any consumer who wants their home cleaned. Um, but there's sort of a a second part of this business right, that we take very seriously, which is that we do feel like ultimately our mission is to make our service providers' lives better. The day-to-day of a housekeeper is full of a lot of inefficiencies, uh, poor communication with customers and cleanings getting canceled and driving all over town for you know, cleanings in different parts of the city. And we do think that when you're working on the Spruce OS, sort of our platform for, for managing that workflow, we can make your day more efficient. And so I think aside from continuing on the current vision, we do see our software platform as having value. And I think the more service pros around America that are using it, uh, the more the more we can build you know, uh, the more we can continue to expand on those features and, and make sure that they're making as much money and uh, operating their businesses as, as smoothly as possible. And so I think that um, what we see is we see ourselves building a platform that empowers service providers to expand their business. And I think that if we talk in three years, ideally every, every housekeeper in America is running their business on Spruce's software and we're not just this uh, marketplace for consumers to get cleanings, but we're actually powering all the other cleanings that are happening, whether Spruce you know, generated those cleanings or not. Uh, your housekeeper probably has you know, her own book of business, and we didn't, she didn't need our marketing. Now we can provide some extra bookings maybe through our cut from customers, but um, we're not just a marketplace. We think we're really logistic software that... Uh, can power the industry overall and make that experience more efficient and more accessible. That's awesome. Yeah, evolving from a marketplace to a to a true platform, and I think that's also the ambition of a lot of other marketplace businesses as well. And yeah, it sounds like you all are, are well on your way uh, to that achieving that goal. And uh, so, Jason, as we wrap up here, is there anything that I didn't ask you that that you wanted me to ask you, or is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience? Hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that uh, that last question was the one that, that got me excited. I mean, we could, we could talk for, you know, hours about sort of where the product and the platform go over time, right? And I think in that world, then we really start to get into product-led growth, right? Because we're, I mean, today we're bringing in service providers because we can give them more volume. And, but in the long run, I think it's not about that. It's about uh, running their business well. And I think in, in that stage, right, we start to build in. It's the product that sells itself, and then the volume is a byproduct. And um, that sort of, sort of echoes DoorDash. Right? I mean, we, we started off by just trying to provide incremental business, but today DoorDash is your storefront, your website. They're delivering your own orders. Um, and we see ourselves as being that kind of backbone for services businesses. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks for spending the time with me today. This has been really a fascinating insight 
into, into Spruce, into an amazing uh, business model with a great vision, ambitious, yet uh, very achievable, I think. And some really good insights, and, and in contrast to a lot of other episodes where we dig more into uh, really high-volume high B2C, scalable, product-led growth strategies here. This is, uh, this is more about how to land and expand with, with a marketplace and all the dynamics of a, of a physical business and, and also physical marketing assets that need to be deployed in the physical world. So it's cool to remember that there still is a physical world and, and marketing still exists there. So thank you for spending the time with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a great discussion, and I wish you all the best at Spruce. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Paris. All right. Take care. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.